Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast, powered by Advanced Takedown Tree Stands, episode number 203. Caleb Miller, trial and error, just one wall hanger, and hunter's patterns. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Today's show is sponsored by Advanced Takedown Tree Stands, Covert Scouting Cameras, The Horny Buck Seed Company, The Eurohanger, and Morse's Sporting Goods. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, I'm Greg Rich with Hunt Masters. You're listening to one of my favorite podcasts on iTunes, the Big Buck Registry, Big Buck Podcast. I'm Lee Lukowski. And I'm Tiffany Lukowski. And you're listening to our favorite hunting podcast on iTunes. The Big Buck Registry, Big Buck Podcast. I'm Trent Cole, and you're listening to Big Buck Registry, Big Buck Podcast. Hello, fellow predators. This is Jay, and thank you for tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy and check out our back catalog. And if you've listened before, welcome back. Today's show will definitely not disappoint, and I will explain who we have on the show in just a minute. But before we get there, I would like to read a letter regarding our harness program. It reads, Hey, Jay. My name is Leif, and I am 30 years old, and though I've been an avid fisherman and small game and upland hunter all my life, I'm brand new to deer hunting. I've been learning on my own, but need to thank you and Dusty because your show has been incredibly helpful to me. Last year was my first year. Though I didn't kill a deer, I did pass on several young bucks and small does. I still felt that my first foray into the deer woods was successful. One morning during regular gun season in central Minnesota, I was sitting with my back to a tree on the ground and had a doe come within seven feet of where I was sitting. That was the highlight of my season right there. Anyway, I'm going to hunt with a bow, a Matthews Z7 this season, in addition to my muzzleloader. I want to get up in a tree, but funds are limited with a mortgage and a young family. If you guys are still doing the harness program, I'd really appreciate having one. My goal is to kill a mature Minnesota buck on public land. Hopefully, I'll make it to your show someday. Thanks again. Happy hunting. Leaf. Thank you, Lee, for your email. We will get a harness out to you. We do have a few in stock. So if you'd like to get involved with our harness program, either would like to donate or receive one, all you have to do is send an email to either me or Dusty J at bigbuckregistry.com or Dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. This week's guest is Caleb Miller. Caleb Miller is an accomplished deer hunter out of Pennsylvania. And without a hunting mentor to turn to, he learned to deer hunt through trial and error. One such lesson, Caleb says that hunting pressure in his area is so high that learning to pattern the hunter is just as important as learning to pattern the deer. His goal is to shoot and kill one good mature buck each season, and to do this, Caleb likes a good clean hunt. What is a good clean hunt? Well, to Caleb, it's when everything is in sync. The wind, the timing, the gear placement, your walk to the stand, right down to the noises you make getting in and out. Using game cameras, he starts his observation in May, And as he says, he likes to stick with them. What this means to Caleb is he likes to find out where they go from food source to food source 
sometimes up to an eight-mile observation. Caleb says the answers are there if you do your homework. Oh, and he prefers a healthy dose of black face paint. Before we get to the full interview with Caleb Miller, let's turn to Jim Keller with the Deer News. The Deer News this week is sponsored by the Eurohanger. You don't have to spend big bucks to hang your big buck. Get yourself a Eurohanger. Facebook.com forward slash Eurohanger, E-U-R-O-H-A-N-G-E-R. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story this week, Gander Mountain files bankruptcy, closing all locations. This story was originally featured on the WRAL.com website. After 57 years of business, all 126 Gander Mountain locations are closing nationwide. The outdoor chain had previously filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in March of 2017 and closed 32 underperforming stores. According to their website, in May 2017, Gander Mountain and Overton's were acquired by Camping World Holdings Incorporated. All locations are currently having liquidation sales. We at Gander Mountain believe that our best days are still ahead of us, and we ask that you join us in welcoming and supporting the successful transition. Camping World shares the same passion for the outdoors as Gander Mountain and our customers, making for a great melding of business and outdoor communities, the company stated on their website. CEO Marcus Limonis offers $25,000 for logo redesign of Gander Outdoors. This story was originally featured on the OutdoorHub.com website. Gander Mountain will be getting a fresh new start, which will include a new name and new logo. Camping World CEO Marcus Limonis has been trickling out some of the details on Twitter, and it sounds like their outdoor retailer will now be called Gander Outdoors, but the logo is still in the works. Lamonis is looking for help with a logo, apparently willing to pay up to $25,000 to the person who designs the best logo. Since he tweeted an announcement about the contest, designs have been flying in. In response to tweets inquiring about the name change, Lamonis tweeted three reasons. More categories, better pricing, fresh start. Check out www.625.gandermountain.com forward slash contest dash rules dot shtml for official contest rules. Grain Sorghum for Deer. This story was originally featured on the Quality Deer Management website and was written by Ryan Bassinger. Sorghums are classified into four groups, grass sorghum, grain sorghums, broom corn, and sorgos. The grain sorghums are typically planted for deer and other wildlife because of their ability to produce grain. It is the grain produced in a seed head at the top of the stalk that deers eat. Grain sorghum, or sorghum bicolor, was introduced into the United States from Africa and Asia and be classified into seven groups, Hagari, Kafir, Milo, Shalu, Dura, Kalang, and Federita. Most of the grain sorghum varieties grown today are hybrids created by crossing Milo and Kafir. Grain sorghum is a warm season annual grain slash grass and is widely adapted throughout the Whitetails range. Grain sorghum comes in many shapes and sizes depending on the variety. Some varieties reach 3 to 4 feet tall, while others may reach 10 feet. Most have thick, juicy stalks that support a large seed head. The color of the seed ranges from white to red to pink, depending on the variety. It is very drought-tolerant, which makes it a great substitute for corn in drought-prone areas. Grain sorghum is also cheaper to establish and manage than corn, which is another reason potters are attracted to it. However, it is not as attractive to deer as corn. Under normal conditions, one could expect to produce 50 to 60 bushels per acre of grain with proper management. If you haven't tried sorghum in your food plots, give it a try this year. Deer Whisperer Cop Rescues Scared Fawn Trapped in Sewer This story was originally featured on the NJ.com website and was reported by Jeff Goldman. If there's deer that needs a helping hand, Woodbridge, New Jersey, police officer Tim Magic is your guy. 
Magic earned his Deer Whisperer nickname once again Wednesday morning by rescuing a fawn trapped in a sewer. It was his third save of a distressed deer in the past year. Magic was at headquarters just before 9 a.m. when police received a call about a fawn trapped in a sewer at an apartment complex. Magic headed over where residents directed him to where the baby was trapped. The officer lifted part of the grate off, climbed in the sewer, and carried the baby deer to safety. The fawn appeared to be unharmed and was walking fine, so Magic released the animal into the woods behind the complex after he was unable to find the mother. In December, Magic and two township animal control officers helped free a buck that got its antlers tangled in a soccer net. His first rescue came while off-duty in April 2016 when he freed a deer that had gotten caught by its antlers and netting surrounding a basketball court behind his neighbor's house. Magic has given an assist to other animals in his 22 years in the job. On another occasion, he saved a group of kittens and a duck and ducklings from a storm sewer. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. For links to the stories featured this week, please check our show notes at www.bigbuckregistry.com. If you have any ideas for future topics or have any questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Without further ado, here is Caleb Miller. Caleb Miller, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm psyched to talk to you, man. Your, uh, your, the pictures that you had on your Facebook page were quite intriguing. I can see you're a man of face paint. Yeah, I like to put the war paint on when it's time to go. Nice. Not always, but uh, it's just kind of the inspiration at the at the time when you feel like it's it's close. Right. You know. Right. Not every hunt's set up, or you know, I just feel like it ain't it ain't really time to to get on a deer but you're still hunting you know right do you um do you do you think there's an advantage to the face paint mm. was it more of a it similar? does give you a, you know a little bit of cover changes changes okay. up your face a little bit but i think it's more in your own head right okay i, I mean if it's in your head then that's that means that you know it's a classic saying whether you think you can or think you can't you're right 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 so that's if you if it helps you believe then I think that's an edge. Yeah, I mean, any advantage you can give yourself, whatever it is, you know, if it keeps you in the stand longer or maybe make it, you know, gives you a little more focus. Right. You know, uh, the odd part is, is normally when I do get a successful hunt, I'll, most of the time my paint's messed up, you know. like <laughs> Right. Uh, in the past, I've had paint that just, you know, didn't do well with water or sweat. Yep. You know, and you kind of forget it's on your face, and then it happens for you. And of course, it's time to take photos or whatever. And you know, you look like you look like something out of a horror movie, but uh, <laughs> you don't really care by that time. Right. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. So, it's K- kind of fun, you know. Where do you call home, Caleb? Titusville, Pennsylvania. Titusville. It's a very small town. Okay. How'd you end up there? Born here. Born, um, born and raised. Yep, Northwest Pennsylvania. Okay, very cool. What um, what's the terrain like in that area? It seems like that's most likely your. I'm kind of on the edge of uh, what everybody refers to as big woods. Okay. Um, if you go one direction, very very short distance, you're into big tracts of land, uh, mostly wooded. You go in another direction, it's going to be small agriculture fields, um, kind of. I don't, I don't really want to say abandoned farms, but there's a lot of them that they're just not being worked anymore. Um, there's some that are planting and 
gathering crops all you know every year so it's just hit or miss you know yep but uh it's it's a good place to hunt it really is okay all um, right. so you've been learning this terrain your whole life absolutely it changes every year very interesting okay so back growing up who were your influences was there somebody that you looked up to or a mentor that you had as far as hunting yeah uh not really no um, interesting no no um i started going to deer camp Oh, probably around the first grade. Um, back then, hunting was more of a different style in Pennsylvania. You know, it was the traditional meat hunters, and it was, uh, you know, going to deer camps and mm-hmm. being around the poker table all night. You know, guys didn't really set out to shoot a big buck. They didn't, you know, it was more about filling their tags, I guess, than anything. Yep. You know, and they didn't get a whole lot of time to spend hunting. You know, most of them, you know, it was only a few days a year. Um, and back then I didn't, I didn't even know, you know, about the rut or, you know, nothing, you know, it was just, these were the four or five days you got to go hunt and, um, that there's way it. more to hunting than that. You know right. what I mean? Right. When did you, when did it start to transition for you? Like when did you, when did it dawn on you that it's not just five days a year? Um, probably right after high school. Okay. You know? It was like, I didn't really go to deer camp and do all that type of stuff through the tail end of high school. And then I started getting back into hunting a little bit more. And then I picked up a, a bow, a buddy of mine had an extra bow and he, you know, wanted me to shoot it. Mm-hmm. I shot it. I could shoot it just fine. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give this hunting thing a try again. And I really only wanted to be able to harvest one nice buck, you know? Okay. Get the one wall hanger. That's what I kind of set out to do. <laughs> per, per year for your lifetime? Uh, just one. I was, just at it. that time, I was just fine with one. Clearly, that's changed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, become, it's become a runaway train. <laughs> right. When did you, when do you, when was that point where you went all in? Like what, what was that decision where you're like, wait a minute, I'm going to, I'm going to just make this. Day one. Day one. Okay. Day one, I, I set out and I wanted to shoot a nice buck. Um, I probably passed on 20 bucks that first year. I never even shot a buck. Okay. Do you remember the first firearm you ever shot? Yeah, it would have been a, a twenty-two long rifle. Nice. And it wasn't like a bolt action like you'd go squirrel hunting with or anything. It was um, like a target rifle with yep. a peep sight on it. Yeah. And do you remember who you were with? I think I was just at deer camp, just, you know. Yep, just messing around. Our deer bit. camp was yeah. pretty big. Okay. So. <laughs> what was deer camp like? What was uh, where? It was, was awesome. Did you? Was it far from home? No, it was probably less than twenty miles. Okay. But, All right. You know, just being at camp with the guys for the weekend or whatever was just, you know, like I said, I went at a very young age. Um, by day two, I was having a hard time walking around. <laughs> I was tired. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hearing all the old timers talk deer stories and whatever around the poker table, it, you couldn't beat it. What was the layout like? Did you, was there a central building? Was it a cabin? Was it a just a simple deer house? camp? Yeah. yeah. Just a simple deer camp. Um, there was some neighboring property that was open to hunt and, you know, a couple times throughout the summer, everybody would get together and do maintenance and whatever, you know? It was probably five or six different families involved. You know, everybody had access to it. 
nobody really spent a whole lot of extra time there. And I think that's pretty traditional throughout, you know, the old days of PA. Gotcha. Okay. So if you're going to deer camp, you, you don't you hear some of the old timers, but you don't really have somebody that's mentoring you, so to speak. How did you learn to deer hunt like you do today? Was it, did, well, how did you educate yourself? Let's put it that way. Trial and error. Okay. All Making right. mistakes. It's very important. I believe it's very important to make your mistakes, but you better learn from them. Um, and that's everything, you know, right. I see a lot of these guys starting out, you know, and they're really struggling, you know, they just having everything you need with you when you hit the woods is an accomplishment, you know, having your stand, your, your, your bow, your release, you know, whatever calls, whatever you want, but just having it all in one place at the right time to leave the woods and get there, um, you know, tree stand setups, uh, back then, trail cameras weren't really around. Um, you know, just just having your gear together. Right. You know, having everything together. You right. know, now you're washing clothes, and you know, there's a process to that. Right. You know, a system. There's a system. Absolutely. Do you uh, do you remember some of the early mistakes that you made that really stuck out in your head? <laughs> <laughs> Leaving my bow at home. Yeah, that's a that's a big um, one. Sure. That's a problem. Uh, I've had to jump out of tree stands before. Okay. Um, How come? Uh, that night I was in a climbing tree stand. Yeah. Probably like the first or second time I was ever in one. And I was readjusting the top platform. Yeah. And I dropped the pin. Yeah. Um, I didn't know at that time that the old timers, you know, are the first climbing tree stands that, you know, used to just bear hug the tree. Yeah. And then try to go down. So... Um, I was young, <laughs> I didn't yeah. really care, you know, so I just sure. jumped out. But, uh, the funny thing is, is I actually had a buck come right to me when I hit the ground. <laughs> wait, 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 you had a buck come to you? Exactly. <laughs> what, 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 how did that happen? Well, he was just up the hill from me. Okay. And, uh, apparently it was a noise, like maybe more deer down there thrashing around or, you know, hmm. it interested him. Let's say that. Hmm. And, uh, I hit with my back towards him and my bow was right there. Okay. And I was undoing the, unhooking the utility rope and I heard him coming right in and I never got a shot or anything like that, but it was like, well, I learned the lesson there. <laughs> Well, it's, it's just interesting that they come to a sound like that, and you, you think... Well, well, you can only imagine what it sounded like, yeah. you know what, what I mean? what does that it sound is, like to a deer? I don't know. I don't know if he thought it was another deer stomping or, mm. you know, a scuffle. Yep, yep. Um, you know, they were sparring stuff in there that night or the night before. I can't really remember, but mm. um, it definitely brought him in. I mean, he was right behind me, probably less than 20 yards. It's an interesting lesson, though. Uh, that sounds like, you know, maybe someday you'll need that again. I hope not. <laughs> right. No, I hope not. It, you know, trying to have a clean hunt is very important. You know, no mistakes. No, you know, don't forget anything. Don't, you know, everything happens, you know, and it always happens at the wrong time. But uh, that's what I, you know, I set out to do. I want a clean hunt, you know, yeah. just to be able to get in there, get set up, have everything go right. You know, and and I call it just being in the game. Right. You know, you may see him, you may not, 
but I know what you're saying because I sometimes I feel like I'm there, but I'm not in the game. Like my head's not there, or there's something that was just off getting there. Like, exactly, you know. and I can remember like the first five trips into the woods with you know all your gear. And I'm I'm getting out of the car and I'm grabbing everything, and I'm like, I gotta carry all this stuff. Right, right. I'm used to grabbing a handful of shells and a gun and just going for a walk and, right. you know, and now I got all this extra stuff and I'm carrying a climbing tree stand and, you know, but now it's, you know, it's just part of your routine. Right. Yep. And I always feel like it takes a few hunts before you feel like you're kind of in the groove. It may take longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Years. You yeah. know, a couple of years. Right, like um, like every season, like, you, okay, day one, opening day of whatever it is, bow, whatever. And I always feel like I got my stuff oh, out, yeah. but but it, I always feel like I'm fumbling the first few days trying to get to go where I do what I want to do. And it takes like, yeah, I don't know, three, four times. All right, then I'm, I'm now my my strategy exactly. and routine, now I'm kind of in sync. I feel like I'm exactly. mentally in sync, everything, you know, I, there's, I'm not forgetting gear. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know, there's little things maybe it's adjusting the seat correctly or whatever you know it's it's everything you know getting there and having having your bow hook having your utility rope um for many years i didn't even hunt with a pack yeah so it's you know you got to have it all in your pockets or however you're doing it but uh and there's a lot of times now i still don't hunt with a pack it just depends on how far i'm going right you know gotcha or you know whatever i gotta take depending on the you know time of year and and i think that's another thing a lot of people don't realize you know you're you're in different phases so you know you need different things you you gotta prepare differently yep this is true i each they're different different seasons bring different climates and, and temperatures and weather yeah, patterns, amounts of clothes amounts you know, of clothes, clothes layers of clothes um and you have to adjust you have to kind of have your everything ready and Depending upon what that one day is bringing, you have to be prepared for that one day. It's interesting you mentioned that because that, that is that is one of those things. What it's the, just the process of learning, you know. Right, it is a process of learning. What is what does hunting mean to you? Like, what's your philosophy on hunting? Does it does it have a particular meaning? Mm, I don't know if I really consider it a philosophy or not. Um, my goal is to shoot a mature deer buck every okay. season. Okay. Um. Not do I, I just don't want to just walk out in the woods and just wait for one to come by. I'm going to have a targeted animal. Every square, every piece of woods that I'm going to go in, I I have an idea what deer I'm looking for in that piece. Okay. And that's the deer I want to shoot. Now, I'm not telling you if his, you know, cousin from the next square over decides to come in that night, I'm not going to shoot him. I'm not, you know, I'm not that way, but depending on what the animal is, you know, um, I just want to have a chance at a mature buck. That, that's the name of my game. It seems to me that the, everybody defines mature buck slightly differently. What's your opinion? Every region has a difference. Um, some places they're fortunate enough where they can say they're shooting six and a half year old deer. Mm-hmm. Um, others are different. Here, I would tell you if you shoot a three and a half year old buck every year, you're doing awesome. Okay. You know, and you look at his head later. Is, but, is that is that your your feeling as well the three and a half year olds or better yeah okay yeah if i shoot a four-year-old you know it's special it's okay. real special okay uh, i have a an extreme amount of pressure in my region that's my next um, question what's your pressure like it's it's <laughs> you can't even describe it like i'll go other places and it it's like nobody even showed up to hunt <laughs> it's right. like 
you know, you're, you're thinking, you're looking at your phone, you know, at the calendar date, and you're like, this is the first day, right? <laughs> right. Did I mess this up? <laughs> did I? I'm the only guy hunting. Did I misread but, my calendar? And even, I mean, you're allowed to, you're allowed to spotlight at night till 11, and okay. that has a huge effect on deer. I didn't know it, you know, until I started leaving and hunting, the, you know, other states and stuff. But, I mean, you drive down a gravel road, like in West Virginia, and the deer will just sit right on the side of the road. They don't even run. Hmm. That's not the case up here at all. I, I mean, you could be driving an hour before dark up here, and a deer's two, three hundred yards off the road. And if you even slow down, he's gone. Right. And some places it's common, some places it ain't. But everybody has a different game where they live. You know, a different. Everything's just slightly different, and you have to adjust for that when you go there you know what do you, what do you think causes all the pressure in your area outdoor activities you know atv riding okay. a lot of hunting you know it's logging's a big industry around here so sometimes that'll do it um people just spend a lot more time it seems like in the woods but they spend a lot of time at the wrong points as far as for hunting okay you know you got guys cutting for the firewood for the winter and you got it's a lot of hunting really small game hunting is is horrendous for deer hunting up in pennsylvania Hmm. um it's a big traditional aspect of a lot of guys that hunt you know they they squirrel hunt they hunt birds rabbits and all that comes in right in the middle of your archery season right um bear season is is a big bust up here for rifle season. Mm. This, you know, they sell an awful lot of bear tags. Um, guys generally get into very large groups and just do bear drives for days on end. And that all happens just before gun season. So right. usually by the time gun season rolls around, I would say that's our peak of pressure. Yeah. It, it, you know, most guys you talk to up here, if you haven't shot a buck in gun season by the first morning by 10 o'clock they're done yeah i i've seen it the you know, the the hunting pressure for other species influence the deer herd in your area you saw it last year with uh going into an area where there should have been deer except little did we know until the end that the whole area had been pushed hard for bear hunting the day before yeah didn't see a single deer but there was deer sign everywhere so there it definitely influences it and coming knowing that how do you strategize around that what what plans do you have to make sure your chances are still pretty good when you walk in the woods um i don't count on gun season for nothing i still go um mainly with my son but uh it's more for fun okay Uh, i guess that's that you know time of year i can just go to the woods for deer just uh hang out and have fun you know and we'd usually do fine um but as far as playing the pressure game it comes down to figuring out people for the most part okay i mean not only do you have to learn your deer and what's going on and where the food is and all that you also have to learn people you know right um we have a lot of small tracks a lot um maybe a few acres to 50 acres is pretty common okay you know and if this guy owns 25 acres does he hunt does he archery hunt you know am i even allowed to go there you know, you got to figure out everything, every aspect, you know, the best place to park, 
you know, when you want to be there, do you want to be there in the mornings or in the evenings? You know, where are the deer? What are they doing? A lot of what we do comes down to bedding. You know, our deer spend an awful lot of time on their feet at night. Yeah. So then you got to go back to where they at during the day. You know, they just bed for the most part. You'll find certain places you can find pockets, you know, where they will move around during the day on their feet. The dog days of summer, you know, they want to be where the thermals are, are cooler and they're close to water. But uh, pressure is a very, very big part of deer hunting in Pennsylvania. Okay. So how much time do you spend trying to learn where other people are going to be? I don't think it ever quits. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's interesting. Honestly, I mean, this is something that as much time as you spend on, you need to be spending it on your neighbors and what's going on. And you got to be subtle about it, you know, and if someone I know shoots the deer that I was after, I'm happy for him. It's not an easy thing to do, you know. But uh, so you it spe- definitely doesn't quit. So you're kind of spending as much time trying to learn the patterns of the humans as you are learning the patterns of the deer. Absolutely. Wow. Interesting. Okay. There's there's some guys, you know, they wait till late summer every year to cut firewood. Well, you're not going to do very good around his house, you know. <laughs> I've actually, you know, sat there and listened to a guy cutting cutting logs and watch deer right in front of me. I mean, it works both ways. They get used to it, and that guy doesn't bother them. It's, I don't know, you got to just spend the time. It's about putting your time in. If if you don't want to make hunting to where it's at that point, that's fine, but you can't sit there and expect it to do good every year when you won't put the effort in, you know? Right. You know, if you want to go fishing and do all that other stuff and then just hunt and you're happy with you know, whatever happens, then, you know, hunting's about fun, you know, you're out there to have fun. So if you're not having fun, you need to change things so that you can have fun. Not everybody necessarily wants to spend all their time finding deer and that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to shoot a big buck every year, but the way I do it, there's really no time for anything else. And the only reason I do do it is because that's the only way that I can make it work. <laughs> right. Some, sometimes. Right. Gotcha. It's, it's, it takes up a lot of time. It really does. Is each spot, like, let, let's say you've done your homework, you know where the deer are bedding, you know where the, the people are hunting. What's your next move? Figure a way in and a way out. Okay. Figure out one or two points on the edges, most likely, to where you can have an encounter with with the deer that you're after. Um, most of the time, you truly don't know where they're bedding. You have a suspicion. Okay. You know, after you encounter him, you've proven your suspicion. I hear a lot of guys saying, you know, I know he's bedding right there. Well, he's probably got a few places. Up here, anyway, he's got a few places because... Within these small tracks, there's always timbering going on. You know, cutting trees is, it produces money for people. So if they're paying for this property, paying taxes and upkeep for years, generally they'll they'll have the trees harvest sooner or later. Even if they don't do it, you know, maybe somebody will inherit their, their land or whatever, and then they do it. You know, so what that does is it creates bedding areas everywhere. Okay. So... A lot of times you 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 know there's deer bedding in there. You just don't know which deer. 
So you get two or three of those locations, you know, discovered or figured out, and then you just start hunting them. Sooner or later, it seems like, you know, he'll show up. Okay. So once you get into a spot, what, let's talk about your gear a little bit. What, what kinds of gear are are you using that you feel are necessary to get into the, the field and hunt the spots that you want to hunt? Maybe there's not one answer to that question. Maybe there's multiple terrain aspects that you need to consider. Well, a lot of it comes down to hiding or trying to conceal your setup. You know, you, you, you always walk through the woods and you see big oak, big old oak trees and there's a ladder stand up against it or, you know, an old wooden stand or a lock on or, you know, just kind of out to everybody. You know, you don't want to, around here, you don't want to have anything that looks like that. Everybody that goes through there is going to know that's your setup. That's where you're at. And frankly, it's not a very productive setup at all. Okay. Yeah, the deer just generally don't walk out into big, wide open timber. Right. In the daylight. They just don't do it. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of like what you hear a lot of people talk about hunting the rut, finding pinch points, travel corridors. Basically up here, you're hunting like that all year. Um, Makes sense. Food sources and stuff like that. Most of the time. Right. By the time archery season rolls around, they're hitting that all at night. Right. You're just not going to do well sitting over a clover field. Right. Do you, do you move around a lot? Like, do you are you a, a tree stand kind of guy or a, a hang on or are you a let's pop in pop out? I do all. You do all. Okay. <laughs> I do it all. If you can think of it, I've tried it. But generally, I'll have. Um, I'll have multiple setups. Um, I've had years where I've had 50 plus locations in a year. Mm. Um, I've had, you know, I've, this is just over the years of trying it. I've had places that I've hunted one time in a season. Some I've never made it to. Um, I won't go unless I know there's a good deer there. Okay. Generally because, you know, I'll create a list, you know, people call it a hit list or, you know, big, big buck list or something, but, I'll create a list, and that's that's kind of what I'm working my season off of okay. until something changes. Um, most of the time, it, it's it's some form of a lock on tree stand. Okay. Most of the time, right. and that's just you have a you have to get your way through the woods and get stopped and get set up. Gotcha. How do you decide that there's a buck in the area? What methodologies are you using or strategies? Is it a Either a visual or a tra- trail camera okay. photo. All right, so you're, you, are, you are using the trail cams. Extensively. Okay. <laughs> when do you start observing? Like what time of year do you start trying to decide there's a buck in the area? Um, Lately, the last couple seasons, it's been uh, right after Christmas. And what you know, what you're looking for is just a potential deer that could turn into, a, you know, a nice buck next year. You're just seeing who's alive, who's left. Okay. Um, and it 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 does work. It really does work if if you're able to access the area. Um, a lot of times it's just trail cameras. Set them and you know okay. let them soak. And so in de- in December you're they're still they still have antlers obviously. So you're yeah. After yep. the season ends, you're you're spying on them with the cameras to see who made it and who didn't. Yeah, you can you can find like a late season food source or just um, they're they're under so much pressure. You know, our late season archery season is probably the most difficult time right 
to hunt by far. Um, even if you have food, I mean, it can be hard to get a, a picture of a deer hitting a, like a stand cornfield or something, even at night, you know, they just won't, they won't expose themselves. Right. I've seen like an 80 acre bean field standing all winter long. You never cut a deer track around it. They don't even touch beans here after winter. Isn't that wacky? Huh? You watch them out West and you know, they're in there like crazy. Right. But it, it can be a challenge. <laughs> So after December, when what's your strategy for the rest of the year? You've you've identified that there's some bucks hanging around that made it. I want to get some trail cameras um, out, but uh, you really got to watch with snow on because you're just going to leave a, a trail right to your camera, which around here you're not going to have a camera very long by doing that. All right, so you start. You have snow on the ground. You have footprints leading to your camera. People identify that as a, a, a game camera trail <laughs> so to speak and you're saying yeah i mean it, it, there's other seasons that are still in so i guess you could be on a walk you know to hunt or whatever but right it's just a bad idea right you kind of lay low all winter long okay. you know you might check it every couple weeks or you know the snow will melt off so you sneak out real quick and get it get the batteries juice back up and make your adjustments and whatever but you're really just trying to get a start on spring okay so after the snow melts spring arrives what's your strategy then what are you looking for anything or is it just one of those not really paying attention until summer no i start running trail cameras the last week of april okay first week of may um and there's not really a whole lot that you can truly see about a buck at that time okay um you may see like an open pedestal or very rarely are they they're just nubs by that time but it it helps you just stay with them you know like throughout the whole summer i'm just trying to stay with them he's gonna move he's gonna go to food he's gonna food sources change you know i just want to be with him and be part of the game okay. you know what i mean like he's gonna go back do his thing i know as soon as the velvet's off he's gonna change again it's it's kind of like just right. a process so how do you how you decide based off of deer movement and where they I mean I know they have a range how food do you, food you just you focus on food that's all they're focused on okay so do you run multiple cameras to multiple food sites that they might hit in order to stay with them so to speak as you described yeah you can you can kind of forecast the next food source that's probably coming up that's going to be of interest of the deer time will tell if he shows up or not and when he will show up you know he might just be there at midnight but they really are they just follow their stomachs i mean that's they want to live they want to eat they've been laying all winter long it's it's time for them to get back in their groove you know okay how many square miles are we talking about that you'll observe with your last cameras? year i covered seven to eight miles with okay. one deer okay which was a learning curve for me too. Something you it, fit. Okay. It, it's just something they do that, you know, they feel like they got to leave their territory to find a different food source, or maybe they're drilling a, a gas well in his area and he just decided he's going to move while the commotion's going on. Right. Every deer's different. Every situation's different. All the food sources are going to be different. Maybe they didn't mow a hay field, you know, when you thought they were going to, but it's always different. Okay. So you, you pay attention is basically what I'm hearing. 
Like you pay attention to influences in the woods. You got to do your homework. Okay. I I believe archery hunting's about doing your homework, and that doesn't mean you always have to have the right answer. But you better be getting a C, you know. Right. That makes sense. I I think those that do their homework tend to have more success. There's a lot of places in the you know in the country where they don't even try to hunt like the early part of the season. Right. They have, you know, a lot of food sources or standing corn or whatever. They don't even try. Right. Around here, if you wait for the rut, it's over. It's it's just, it don't work like that around here. At least not for me. Right. Now, I'm not saying I haven't shot a deer in the rut or anything like that. I feel like those, those are more lucky hunts. You know, you just, right. you got in the right pinch point that day and he comes through chasing a doe and you got a chance to shoot him. Great, great hunt, you know, everything worked out, but it's a little bit different than shooting a deer early. So when do you really set your focus in more than just casual observation? Like, is there a time? As soon, as, soon as the velvet's off. When the velvet's off, that's your game time. Yeah, usually, oh, anywhere from a week to two weeks after it's off, that's when you notice the big changes. Okay. They normally leave their summer range and then they're going to go home. You know, so you just know where home is. <laughs> you got to know where home is. Now, to understand where home is, that's a much longer observation, right? That's that's knowing where they're going to be from the year before. And all those little things that you can find out, you know, after Christmas, early spring and all that. I mean, your answers are there. You just got to be lucky enough to get them while he's there. Right. You know, he's going to leave. He, he has to. He has to eat. You know, they want to go out in that clover field and gorge themselves and then lay down for an hour and get up and do it again. Right. He can't do that if he's at home. It's kind of like the transition from, you know, the old timers pounding the ground, finding the deer sign and doing all that to the next generation relying on trail cameras. You have to, you have to mix that up. You know, the trail cameras don't lie, but they will lie to you if that's all you have. Right. Right. Very good point. What's your what's your setup for the actual hunt? Do you and it sounds like you have a variety of different ones. Not necessarily a gear setup, but are you into scent control? Uh, you're, are you a fanatic? Do you do you douse yourself in every scent control product known to man? How do you how do you deal with that stuff? I don't like cover scents. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying that they don't work or they can't work. It just hasn't worked for me in the past. Um. You definitely can't go into to bow season with blinders on. If there's a product out there that you haven't tried, you should probably give it a shot. You know, I'm not saying everything you go out and you see, you just buy it. But I, I just want to smell as neutral as I can. Okay. And it just seems to work better okay. for the deer, for for everything. It's easier to smell clean than it is to smell like dirt or cover scent of pine or something but you also got to keep in mind your surroundings you know if you're gonna if you're gonna go hunting the pines or whatever you don't want to smell like an apple but right you maybe do want to smell like a pine i don't know i just try to be as clean as i can change my clothes every hunt shower of course i want to i want to just a complete setup that you could just walk right by okay you know even a even human being i don't want them to even see it you know, I'm not going to go in there and blaze out shooting lanes that are 10 feet wide in every direction. Um, not saying I haven't done it in the past, but 
just things that work better for me, I push them more, you know, on myself. Okay. So, so you're, um, so you're, you're, you've learned from your past trials and errors, mistakes. And it sounds like if yeah. you can't learn from a mistake, you're just wasting your time. Right. You don't, you know, a lot of mistakes you don't even know are mistakes when you make them. True. <laughs> I mean, otherwise you wouldn't do it, right? That's very true. So it, you just got to, you're constantly evaluating yourself. Right. You know, just, you just want to be clean, quick, better. Um, you know, even when I walk into the woods, I'm not goofing around or anything. I'm going straight to where I want to be. Okay. So you're not, you're not meandering. You're, you're just. No, you're not walking through high grass, touching it. You're not you know, checking too much stuff out, you know, you just kind of look as much as you can on your, your route. Right. Um, cause you, like I said before, you don't know where they're betting. Right. I mean, you have a general idea, but that's not to say that they didn't get pushed out of there a couple hours earlier and they're, they're laying in the, you know, the old windrow up the tractor trail or something right. and you, they'll let you walk right by them. Right. They might get up and walk right back to where they wanted to be and come right back to you. Right. Do you have any go-to strategies that kind of stick out in your head more than others? Like, is there some some things that are so ingrained in your head at this point that you're like, I have to do X, Y, and Z no matter what? <laughs> I think I'm just more after, like, a good set of pitchers. Okay. You know, just saying he's still here. Um, poaching is always a huge thing. It's always, in the, you know, you're after a big buck, so is everybody else. Um, some people are willing to shoot him after dark, you know, if he's not there, then you're not going to have a good hunt. Right. So I just want some recent information that he's still alive. Okay. In other words, the game is still going on. Okay. Um, I once hunted a deer for, I'm sure everybody else has too, a couple of weeks to find out, you know, he was poached two weeks prior. It didn't matter what I did. I wasn't going to see. <laughs> right. So I just want good information. Aside from that, just being mistake-free. Okay. You know, it, it's, I found in the past that you usually dictate your hunt. If you're sloppy, careless, that's usually how your hunt's going to be. Yeah. If you're strict and you do everything for a reason, usually it ends up pretty good. Gotcha. What What is a, a hunt or an error-free hunt? What does that mean? Showing up at the location with everything you need. It could be as simple as the neighbor's not cutting firewood. Okay. You know, nobody else is moving in on you, getting in and out of the tree properly, not dropping anything. You know, you got to get in there and let everything settle down. So the the quicker and the simplest way you can do that, the better. So. Gotcha. So some of it's beyond your, your abilities. like Absolutely. It's no different than going turkey hunting and getting in on a bird and hearing another guy call to him, you know, at that point you get up and you walk away and you don't interfere with him. You know, it's no different. You just want to be in the game. You just want to clean hunt. You got to be able to get out of there too, because you're going to have deer around you. So if you don't have a way out without interfering with what the deer normally do, they're going to know something's up and they're going to be gone. So in a situation where you know that you're up against the odds, there's a, there's an error coming you know it's inevitable it's beyond your control when that happens do you vacate and exit immediately depends on what degree everybody hunts the wind and they live and die by the wind Mm -hmm. i've heard so many times you know we got in there we got set up and the wind changed on us we got out of there i have no doubts in their region that's the proper thing to do here 
our wind swirls nonstop. We have hills and valleys and, you know, not really mountains, but there's always, always swirling wind. Yeah. It's not uncommon to be in the tree stand and you have, you know, five different wind directions in a few hours. Yeah. It's, it's not uncommon. Um, that's when you go back to your scent control and your confidence in what, you know, all your preparation pays off. Yeah. I usually will hunt right through it. I'm waiting for that deer to make a mistake is what it is. Okay. He's better than I am as far as smelling, surviving. I'm on his turf. It's very similar to baseball and with a major league pitcher throwing at a major league batter. The pitcher generally wins the majority of it. It's usually when the pitcher makes a mistake, the hitter can have clean contact and, you know, potential for a home run. Okay. So it, it it's it's a lot like that, but gotcha. What is that your strategy for that hard to kill buck that you know is in the area? Just outweight them and wait for the mistake? Yeah, usually, you know, your first hunt on a big buck is your best hunt, but not always. Hmm. Um it seems like if you can get close to him enough times where you're actually in the game, he will make a mistake. Okay. He will come out early, you know, weather conditions are just hungry or it's nice and quiet and everything seems normal he'll he'll come out um but pressure and all that other stuff just seems to help him that's basically how it goes like this year with my deer um i felt pretty confident going into it it was kind of he was a really nice buck and then when you get the chance to go after a deer like that it always feels like the carpet's going to be pulled out from underneath you right every hunt you know, he's going to get poached or hit by a truck or, you know, whatever. But you just have to, it's almost like when you're hunting and you do make mistakes, you just have to hunt through them and do better. But it just seems to go that way, you know, like. Right. That makes sense. Are you a bow guy or gun guy or depends on the season? If you're looking at success, it's a bow. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've shot a lot of deer with a gun and it never works. Um, don't ask me why. <laughs> But uh, I'm, I've been snake bitten, and I honestly don't really care how I harvest a big deer. It's not really about that. I don't think it's a, a, a weapon doesn't really change me harvesting a deer. You know what I mean? Like I've said it a thousand times. I don't care if I get them with a snow shovel, <laughs> as long as it's in the season and right. it's legal. Right. I'm good. Right. You know, I don't really care. But what works is a bow. Okay. You know, what I enjoy shooting every day is a bow. Okay. I don't, you know, I hear a lot of guys say, you know, I want to shoot him with my bow. I wouldn't mount him if I shot him with a gun or, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. Right. Um, okay. I prefer to do it with a bow. All right. Do you care if you're in a, in a tree or on the ground? No, absolutely not. Doesn't and I should go back to the other point. You know, I say I don't care what I kill him with or, you know, the, the gun, the bow thing. I don't really even hunt with a gun. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. I'll go, I'll go on a trip somewhere and it's gun season. So I'll take a gun. But when it comes time for gun season in Pennsylvania and to go hunting, I don't even carry a gun. I haven't for quite a long time. I don't shoot does with a gun. You know, I don't do any of that stuff. Right. Gun season. I'm just kind of laid back and on cruise control by that time. Okay. But I still want to go, you know, I still want to hunt. Sure. You know, or right. videotape or, right. you know, do something. But right. I I just don't usually do it. 
Gotcha. And even if I do, it's just kind of like, let's see what'll happen. You know, <laughs> what other kind of gear do you typically bring into the field with you besides maybe a, a, a hang on tree stand and your bow? Um, utility rope, uh, bow hanger, binoculars for sure. I don't leave home without those. Okay. A grunt tube, never any food or water. Never any um, food or water. How come? It just gets in the way. Okay. It's more to carry noise, smell, and I don't care if it's all day or whatever it is, nothing. <laughs> I'll take my phone with me. That's about it. That's about it. You spray down at your vehicle? Absolutely. I guess I I do do that. I'll okay. take my bag. I forgot my bag. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. You want a clean hunt. <laughs> right. I'll take my bag. It'll have spray. I spray down probably every 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, I definitely so you're spraying in, in the field, like as you're hunting. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, like I said, the wind's swirling. It's nonstop right. changing. This happens, gives you something to do. And most of the time I'm not sitting up there playing on my phone. I, I don't sit down in a tree stand very much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of tree stands that don't even have seats. Really? You know, you're not there to sit down. Okay. You're there to hunt, you know, right. the whole time. But you know, you do, your back gets sore or whatever. You do need a minute here or there. But right. I'm also in a tree setup that I feel like, you know, provides you enough cover where you can sit down, stand up. Okay. All right. So you're making sure that if you do want to sit down, there's enough yeah. cover to yep. sit, to move. You have some, some abilities to move without getting busted. Oh, yeah. They'll walk right in and look right at you. Okay. If you're out, if you're out in like a ladder stand on an oak tree. Right. I mean, they're going to look right up at you and they're going to run. Right. So you spend time in your sets making sure there's enough cover backdrops, I would assume. So, you know, the silhouette. Most of it comes down to picking the proper tree. Okay. And if it's not available, sometimes you can alter things to make it available. But um, there again, the more you do, the more people are going to see. Okay. And what are you you looking for in that proper tree? Is there one particular thing that you're looking for or a variety of particular things? I like um, any tree that has multiple trunks or shoots or whatever you want to call them, where they, you know, maybe kind of a a wolf tree or a a style of a tree. Nothing that's going to be just one trunk. Okay. Those drive me crazy. Um, I don't feel like that's even that safe to hunt on them, to be honest with you. Okay. (laughs) But you got to watch, you know, you get into some tangled mess or something and you can't maneuver around, you know, to shoot out the back or whatever it can it can bite you for sure. I don't really even do much climbing anymore. Maybe on a whim or something, you know, you'll just take your climber and go for a walk. But it's mainly a lock-on of some sort. Okay. All right. You're getting up up and down with ladder sticks kind of thing? Yeah. Yep. Climbing sticks. Climbing sticks. Yep. Very good. Well, let's uh, let's get into some of uh, your most memorable deer hunt. I had asked you about a memorable deer hunt before we get on the <laughs> on the air here and give you a little bit of time to think about it. Where are we going to go on this hunt? Is this the Hollywood buck we're going to talk about or is this a different one? Uh, probably talk about 2013. Okay. Um, I was hunting a deer called the cut buck and it ended up being like the best possible hunt in every, every way you could look at it, Hmm. which was odd because it was very hot. It was raining. I actually was spending some time with my nephew that year. Okay. He was new to hunting, period. He actually didn't even have a hunting license, and he was older. And he did get his hunting license, and we were getting him kind of geared up, and I was going to help him get on some deer. 
And the Friday, our season opened on a Saturday. And the Friday before that season, the field where he was going to hunt, they started chopping corn. Yep. Which changed the whole everything. He had never even been in a tree stand at this point. And uh, I told him, you know, you could just come hunt with me. You've never even hunted. You've never been in a tree stand. You know, you've never, a lot of everything. He's never done any of it. And, you know, you come with me one night and just sit with me and we'll see what happens. And that was probably like two or three hours before we were going to go out to hunt. And uh, I ended up getting a video camera off a kid like a day or two before that. I never even turned it on. And I said, I got this video camera. I said, you could film. Oh, yeah. You know, and we were not prepared. We were not planning on it or nothing. Didn't have a tree arm. Didn't have anything ready. Yeah. We actually forgot the camera on the way to the hunt. (laughs) (laughs) And we had to turn around and get it. So the setup I was hunting was this clear cut. And that's how the deer got his name, the cut buck. And uh, I knew we had to get extremely close to where I thought he was bedding. And to do that with two people was not going to be easy. It was hot. It was mid-80s. Yeah. On and off rain all day. And uh, so we're on this this hunt going to this clear cut. And we sneak down in. We do everything pretty good. I get up in the tree. Um, it was only set for one stand. So I had to hang another stand, which I knew was going to be risky. I figured we were less than 100 yards from this bedded deer. And uh, I get the stand in. There's like this eight eight inch tree growing up the side of this this maple tree, and I was leaning on it with my shoulder when I was standing in the tree stand. Yeah. Well, the steps were on this smaller tree, and my nephew's big, six four, two fifty, whatever, and he grabs a hold of those steps and pulled a tree, and he moved the top of the tree like two or three feet. <laughs> I wasn't holding on with anything; I was strapped in or nothing at the time. Because I didn't expect him to grab anything, but he grabbed a hold of it and he moved that tree and I almost fell on him. <laughs> I would have fell right on top of him, you know, his first hunt. That would have been real good. But uh, I get him up in the tree. We get settled in and I turn around and he's bear hugging the tree. And I'm like, what's wrong? And, you know, I forgot he'd never been in a tree stand at that point. And I told him, I was like, just sit down and get comfortable, you know, look at the ground realize where you're at and everything and you know just relax we got a a long sit and he had the video camera and a fisher actually come in on us and i told him you know practice taping on that fisher and being used to looking through the camera up in the tree and all that and he did really really well with that part of it but uh it wasn't about an hour later and i looked over and i saw the deer stand up and at that time, you know, we, we started filming the hunt and he came in and put on a pretty good show for us. Um, I shot him at 30 yards and he ended up being a, a four and a half year old, uh, real nice buck. The, uh, the hunt's actually on YouTube. Nice. It's, it's, it's rough. It's, there's no camera arm. There's no nothing. It's filmed with a very cheap camera, but it's still a great hunt. And to do it, on a on a archery opener in the rain and the heat, you know, with two guys and someone who's never been in a tree stand before filming, it was it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. But you know, he's a big buck. I, I mean, big for my area anyway. So right, 
and I ruined him for hunting. <laughs> he, you know, I, I kept telling him, you know, like not all hunts go like this. You got to get that out of your head right now. You know, right. You don't always right. <laughs> go in and shoot the biggest deer that's in the area the first night, you know, everything. And, and I actually knew about that deer the year before that and never really hunted him, um, as a three-year-old, but, uh, we were kind of helped that way with a farmer, you know? Right. That's awesome. Man. But it's a good hunt to check out. Um, there's some trail camera photos of them growing and stuff on there and mm. you can just kind of see the progression of that deer. Right. Very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you for bringing us on a hunt with you. We'll check that out on YouTube. I'll put some links in the show notes. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of, I don't know what you call it, a header or whatever. The header's kind of weird on that. It's yep. 2013. Okay. Big buck bow hunt PA. Gotcha. Okay, very good, man. Let's uh, let's go on the ten rapid fire questions here, if you don't mind. If I didn't prep, <laughs> I didn't prep you for these, so we'll see how it goes. Are you ready? Sure. All right. What's your number one hunting tip of all time? Oh, jeez. Um, probably believe in yourself. Hmm. You know, right. work hard, hunt your own style. Um, don't be afraid to do it by yourself. Usually, it's going to work out better. Gotcha. Excellent answer. I really enjoyed that answer. Actually, that's a good one. All right. We all have these things that we like to bring in the woods with us. Maybe it makes us a better hunter. Maybe it just makes us feel like a better hunter. And it drives us crazy if we leave it at home or in the truck. What's that one thing for you? Probably my binoculars. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you see something off in the distance. And if you can't put up your binoculars and really know what's going on or check something out, you know, you're, you're really handicapping yourself. Very nice. All right. What's your biggest pet peeve in life? Uh... Probably lazy people, people that just just think they can just skate through life, you know. Right. Oh, I've been hunting for, you know, 10 years. I should be killing a big buck or, you know, they're not just going to lay down and let you put your tag on. Right. It don't work like that, you know. And even if you do work a lot at what you're trying to achieve and you don't get there, that's still not like you don't deserve it. Like it's still maybe, you know, maybe you still need to do this or that. And even if you can't see it at the time, right. you know, when it does happen, you know, you definitely enjoy it, but you, you definitely teach yourself that there's a lot to it. You know, right. there's so many different things that you need to do. That makes sense. How old are you today, Caleb? 40. 40. What would you tell the 20 year old Caleb Miller, knowing what you know today about life? Uh, do your own thing, whatever that is, you know, doesn't matter what it is. Do your own thing. Do it as well as you can do it every day. You're on a, you're at a hunting convention somewhere in the world and a stranger comes up to you in a hotel lobby and they strike up a conversation. They ask you what you do for a living. What do you say? Site manager for K Bennett Development Group. <laughs> All right. Excellent. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Eggs and orange juice. Excellent. One of my favorites. You get your own billboard for on a side of a highway. It can say anything you want. It's a blank canvas. What would you put on that blank canvas? Uh, one word, believe. Believe. Nice. If I say the word successful to you, who's the first person that pops into your head and why? I don't know if I can say one person. Um, maybe like parents, like mm-hmm. uh, anybody that is a parent, you have a job, you know, to raise your kids the best that you can with what you got. And anytime you can see them later in life, you know, having success at whatever they're doing, I would say, you know, that's it. Gotcha. Very nice. What's a typical day in your life look like? Get up and get ready for your day. 
get my son off to school, work, and try to just get back on the homework train, you know? <laughs> um, my son's old enough now. He's driving on a learner's permit. Yep. This is a great, great uh, thing for me lately. He gets to go drive, and I get to look for deer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we just go right around, and you know, I try to slip in pointers when I can on driving. Right. And I get to observe whatever. It's like I have a chauffeur, you know? I bet he never thought that dad would be taking on a, a training course deep on the back roads of Pennsylvania. Yeah, and it's it's good, you know, atmosphere for him to get familiar with the gas pedal and the brake. And, right. you know, you don't have people running you over. Right. Excellent. All right. And then finally, what's a deer hunting day in your life look like? Uh, pretty laid back, really. I might, uh, depends, you know, if it's a morning hunt or if it's just strictly an evening hunt. Yeah. Um, you might get up and do whatever chores you got to do, you know, for the day, try to get your stuff done and shoot your bow a little bit, um, get something to eat, get ready, you know, get showered down, say your goodbyes to everybody and get all your gear and go. Nice. All right. Very good, man. Those are the 10 rapid fire questions. I think you did very well. Thank you. <laughs> Caleb, this has been a great, great time. I enjoyed listening to you. I think you you have a, a pretty hardcore, uh, unique hunting style. It's almost like a, a, a don't quit, hunt smart type of strategy. And it's it's kind of like you know, effort. You can't believe what effort will do for you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's with everything. If you're willing to do the effort, then you're probably going to do all right. And you got to believe in that. You know, right. you just got to work hard, work hard, believe. And, and you hear it all the time, you right. know, when you're a kid growing up and it never really did anything for you. But if you, you know, once you start believing in it, then it, it does work. Right. Excellent advice. Is there any place that we can contact you or learn about your hunts a little bit more after we end mm. in their st studio session here? You could uh, check it out on Instagram. It's just at Caleb. Okay um facebook caleb miller um i don't really share too much of my like active current hunts but uh there's definitely a lot of a lot of fun stuff on there you know okay all right some of your older stuff not necessarily too old i okay. try to keep people guessing all right all right <laughs> Good. smart that's i think that's a smart rule well, excellent man this is, i really enjoyed talking to you caleb and thank you for coming on and spending an hour with us on the big buck red street deer hunting podcast and hopefully we'll hear from you uh in the future well thanks for having me on um i really enjoy listening to your your program when i'm driving you know i get that alone time for an hour or so at a time and it, it just fits perfect you can just pick whatever. It's kind of like a, it reminds me of a throwback to, you know, listen to the ball game on the radio, right. you know? That's <laughs> true. Kind of, kind of has uh, that, that, that sense to it. Yeah, I get to learn about some of my, some old favorites and listen to what's going on with other people's hunting worlds. Yeah. It's just, it's so more personal than your normal interviews, you know? I really enjoyed talking to Caleb. He was darn cool about the deer hunt itself. You can tell he's confident, you can tell he's gone through trials and errors like we all have in the field and trying to figure out how to make a deer hunt work in your favor. I loved his idea about going into the field with a clean hunt. I've certainly been there where things just don't seem right and you just don't feel like it's going to happen that night or that morning because things are just off. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need to get in sync to make that hunt feel right and for whatever reason it just seems to go right when things are just feel in place. So 
I want to say thank you to Caleb for joining us on the show. Dusty, do we have a Chubby Tines tip of the week this week? I do, I do, I do. The Chubby Tines tip of the week is sponsored by Morse's Sporting Goods. Firearms, use firearms, bows, use bows. Located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morsessportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morse's Sporting Goods. You know, we got uh, hunt season. It's just a few months away. It is the time to get your camo out, get it cleaned up, washed up, do whatever you need to do to get it ready. And it's time to start thinking about killing that scent on it. Mm. Uh, Sit around, uh, you know, uh, all spring and now we're into the summer. It's time to start thinking about that kind of stuff. What would you recommend we start doing right now to start thinking about scent? You know, it varies for different areas and, and different terrain. And, you know, right now I take and I, I go out and just take a pair of uh, nippers and cut off some cedar limbs. And I take a, a toter box, which is a plastic toter box, and, and I throw the cedar right in there with my camouflage. That's cool. I like that. That makes sense. Is there anything else besides that that you start prepping for or you just, just get there first? Yeah, I, I like to focus on my, my, my scent right now. Just get getting that ready and, you know, obviously it's food plot time and other things, but right now my focal point is getting on that scent control. Okay. Start start early and you, you won't have to worry when it comes time. Right. Excellent. Very good, man. Well, thank you to Morse's Sporting Goods for sponsoring the Chubby Tines Tip of the Week. And I also want to say thank you to all of our sponsors, Advanced Takedown Tree Stance, Covert Scouting Cameras, The Horny Buck Seed Company, the Eurohanger and Morse's Sporting Goods. Without those guys, we could not do this show. We need their support. And please, 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 if you're thinking about shopping for any products or going to any stores, please consider these products because we do stand behind our products. These are brands that we we feel strongly about. And if you're in need of them, please give them a chance first. Dusty, where can we find you? We're not hanging out here in the studios talking about deer hunting. Uh, shoot me an email, Dusty at BigBuckRegistry.com, and I try to promptly answer all emails that come through to me. You can look me up on Facebook, Chubby Tines Outdoors, and on Instagram and Twitter, at Chasing Antler. Jay, where can the people reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Likewise, best place is Jay at BigBuckRegistry.com. You can also find us on Facebook, and that's Facebook.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. We're on Twitter, Twitter.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry, and on YouTube at YouTube.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. Kind of see the theme here. If you're listening to the show, you can listen to our podcast on iTunes. And if you are listening on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a review if you find the show and you find it interesting. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. You can find us on Blueberry and Libsyn and Stitcher. All different ways you can listen to the show. These are all different apps you can get for phones or on your computer device. And last but not least, I said YouTube earlier, but you can still listen to our podcast on YouTube in its entirety because we take that audio, we make a small video out of it, and we put it on YouTube so you can listen to the show on YouTube in case you don't have access to those other podcasts. Our podcast appears on YouTube each and every week. And what we, the other thing we have going on on YouTube is we are posting any interviews we do, any product reviews we do, any live shows that we've been doing and don't forget we're doing the live shows on thursdays at 8 30 and you we're posting all that content not only on facebook but the videos are now appearing on youtube as well so you can watch our live shows where we review and go back and talk to uh, previous guests 
on our show and get them back and into the studios so we can see where they live, how they live, all that kind of stuff. See what they look like because you can't really see what somebody looks like on audio. And you can listen to every single podcast that we produce. I think that's it. I think that's everywhere we're at. That's a whole lot of Big Buck, Jay. I'm Dusty Phillips. And I'm Jay Scott. And this is the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Can't wait.